Ermentera and the Blacksmith. It's on Netflix. It kind of rhymes when you say it like that. But hey, everyone, it's day 24 of the 31 Days of Dread. And I have a foreign movie that's dubbed Two Strikes. Now, the only thing that would make this worse would be if it was an old movie, right? And I'm sure you guys only want to sit down and just watch easily consumable movies. Or do we want to work? Do we want to dig and work? and go through the mines and the trenches to find out what's good out there. Well, we got something that's good, so cue the music and let's go. Thank you for joining me. It's Peter A. DeLuca, a.k.a. Pad, your host, your boy, your spooky friend. Hey, hey, look out, I might be in the closet over there, yeah, right behind you. This is Dream Warriors the 31 days of dread this is where we do one horror movie a day in celebration of halloween and the month of october and just days in general <laughs> so hey we got Terra, and this movie rocks and i'm so excited to talk about it because what, what drew me to it i was talking about this a few few days ago is legend have you ever seen ridley scott's legend you, uh, that movie imprints images, tonality, hues, contrasting colors, uh, cinematography, and the shooting process of filmmaking. It embeds it in your mind more than any other movie, I believe, and more than any other Ridley Scott movie. Because Ridley Scott does have a knack for doing this. Even if you watch, like, Matchstick Men, the, the gray tones in that movie kind of, uh, stick with you. The, um, you know, like it doesn't, he, the, the way Ridley Scott shoots, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be fantasy. It, it can actually be a drama. Okay. And, it, and he has a beautiful way of illustrating what's on screen. And he brings together all the elements. Uh, you know, look, Prometheus, Alien Covenant, I wholeheartedly have grown to love both of those movies. I love them as a pair and I love, uh, what they do with the alien mythology. Now, that doesn't say I agree with it all, because those are controversial movies in the field of geekdom. So there, there's a couple different ways to even approach uh, Alien Covenant. And one of the ways is like, okay, how does it fit? Like, how does this puzzle piece that we just jigsawed, pun intended, because, you know, jigsaw Halloween, uh, you know, this jigsawed puzzle piece, how, how does it fit into the landscape of Alien? And, and, you know, this is where we get, everyone puts on their gloves, they step into the octagon, and they go to war. Because no one can agree. But then, if we look at it as a film, it's fantastic. If we look at Prometheus as a film, it's fantastic. And I, I tend to do the latter, okay? See, I don't really care how things fit together. I really don't. It makes no sense. As much as people want to act like it, um it's not there because there's some denial in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, we're 10 years deep and none of it makes any sense. Okay, it, it rarely made any sense going post-Avengers. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, we can go, we can argue about the powers of the Scarlet Witch, uh, <laughs> the, the actual, the story, quote-unquote, for the formation of the Avengers. 
you know, which was teased in, in like, Iron Man 2, uh, how none of that kind of, like, happens and, and, and comes about the uh, in, in the same way. They, they've tried to rectify some of it and recon some of it. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. But, again, we're not really talking about that. We're talking really about Netflix's uh, contribution to horror. This is year two of their horror roundout. Hey, Netflix's horror rollout and the 31 days of dread are parallel we are bros we're brother and sister i'm the brother netflix is the uh, sister sorry even even though it's a very attractively attractively hotly uh yeah it's a hot sister but okay and you know what uh speaking of like incest uh yeah we got that coming up too in the 31 days of dread we we have probably the best incest movie ever made I'm just going to let that sit there. But yeah, the, I will have to tease that. That should be day 26, if I if I, if I I recall. But yeah. So Netflix decided to become a, a staple in American horror. Now, it's kind of funny because they were actually able to pinpoint uh, like a holiday. Uh, like artfully, they you know, didn't compete with Hollywood and summer and blockbusters. They created something of their own in a naturally uh, downturn period, you know, in a a subtraction period, a contraction period of Hollywood, meaning that usually uh, the post-summer rollout for movies is not great because we're we're between two things. And and, and this is just how Hollywood, um, the industry got painted and what their, what their, um, uh, you know, like intent for a lot of their movies are. So summer intent, explosions, awesomeness, attractive women, lots of popcorn, uh, $100 movie trips. Like, you know, we're spending money seeing movies and we're making money. Uh, we're spending money making movies during the summer. Okay. So that's the exchange and everyone loves it. Uh, and then we gear up for Oscar, Oscar season, which kind of starts uh, next month. So, you know, between like, yeah, I would say like maybe like September and November, it's it's kind of just like, brrr, we have like two months of nothing. And we're always surprised when movies become a hit, <laughs> which is kind of weird because uh, it should kind of be expected. We do have hit movies and we have good movies between those months, but uh, the, the marketing is clear, you know, the, okay. So, and everything ramps up for Oscars, which is kind of becoming odd. Because the Oscar push now are movies no one sees. No one sees, but there's still a, a, some low-budget movies that spike. And, you know, this is great for the people involved and the studios studios involved with those movies. Because if the low-budget movies can't pop, and if the big-budget movies can't explode, uh, we're dealing with a fractured system. Now, Hollywood in all is making more money this year than ever. Okay. Uh, but that doesn't mean that there's um, faults to this. Um, and, you know, a good example, uh, upcoming, uh, you know, I've been teasing it. And I guess uh, Mark and I have a, a, a contention to, contention to, uh, the train to Basan. Okay. Uh, he loved it. He watched it twice. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did not. And the point I'm getting at, uh, that, that movie um, sold between 11 to 12 million tickets. Okay, that's butts and seats. Hollywood is dealing with a butts and seats problem. Okay, I think the the Netflix interruption of this 
uh, disruption is taking over October. And if they can take over October, and it, it seems like they have, because they have long-form content rollout with the um, that you know the the haunted house show that the house on haunted hill, I think. Uh, that's a ten-part horror like saga. Like okay, so they they've nailed it with that. You know they you they have Stranger Things. They have horror-driven long-form content, and they have these wonderful movies that are just these like uh, they're just these glowing orbs. And and the first one and the only one we've done of Netflix this year so far. And I do feel guilty of it because I was so hot on Netflix last year with you know Babysitter, uh, you know Gerald's Game. Uh, little evil, uh, naming three, <laughs> and 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 the nineteen twenty two right. That's the um that's the one with the the the, uh, the Punisher guys in that the Punishers and that's the Stephen King one. But they even had like almost like a Stephen King rollout a year ago, you know. But but if if Netflix can solidify uh, October, they they I believe they would move forward, okay, and and go for Oscar. Okay, they will capture the Oscar audience because people really aren't going out to see the Oscar movies like they used to. The last time we had like a number one movie that won the Oscar was a century ago. Okay, it was ages ago. So Netflix is going to satisfy that. Okay, people are fine not going into the theater seeing Oscar driven movies. This is clear. So, and then what happens at that point? Well, the, uh, the, the the mountaintop for Netflix's objective is going to be summer blockbusters, and they've dabbled with this, and I think we're just going to see more and more. Now, in comparison, uh, Netflix potentially could create their own summer blockbuster season, meaning uh, what they did last year with Cloverfield and the Super Bowl, uh, they premiered that, and, and that night they dropped uh, Cloverfield Paradox. That blew my mind. Uh, because, you know, I'm a huge fan, too, of, of the Cloverfield movies. And it was very surprising that they they did that, because that was an internet-driven movie, and that was an internet-hyped movie. So, could they be doing it in February? You know, could they use the Super Bowl and the eyeballs on the Super Bowl to premiere two movies at once, three movies at once, to do a, a drop a week? Uh, yeah, I, is it is it in them? A hundred percent. Netflix is spending, I think, eight billion dollars on content development. That's up uh, two to three billion from a year ago. They're spending billions with content. Okay, and then they cannot be stopped. So with this, okay, we have a foreign movie. Uh, it's a Spain France movie. Uh, I had a tough time researching this movie. But the the visuals from the Netflix thumbnails uh, sparked my imagination because it did remind me of the movie Legend, and I wanted to see it. I wanted to see those highlights, like you know the fire glow with with the dark atmosphere, and it fully delivered visually uh, a thousand and a thousand percent. Now the movie's dubbed, and a lot of times when a movie's dubbed like this. It's a little bit difficult to follow the tone and the intent of the movie. Meaning, are we trying to be funny and scary? Are we just trying to be scary? Or are we just trying to be funny? Or none of those. Are we just trying to be dramatic? Uh, the, the the pronunciation, the tone, the expressions on the faces don't always match up when it's dubbed. Now, do we not watch this movie? Do we slow down while we're watching it? Potentially, yeah. 
uh you know i movies like this i don't mind stopping uh letting it sit for a little and then jumping back into it um if we're watching movies at home you know let's use it to our advantage let's use it so that we can fully absorb the content and and do the filmmakers justice because these filmmakers deserve all the justice okay the, um it was really tough for me to dig up who who did what in this there's not much on the web um and it's frustrating because everything uh everything i was able to <laughs> dig up kind of didn't have um like you now like i have right now i'm on a, a page that i had to translate okay so there's not a lot of uh, almost like stateside written content about this movie but the director okay paul uh Erkjo, Erkijo, okay uh fantastic director the cinematography from the best i can tell um this guy's credited for image but it's gorka gomez andrew this dude uh Put together he weaved um a tale and visual alone and i'm talking in tonality meaning grays blacks yellows and reds you know and because we do have reds we have reds at the end of this movie because we go to hell at the end of this movie so what's the plot well here's the thing uh this is from what i was able to weave together but it, it looks like it's from a uh somewhat from a grim fairy tale the smith and the devil and let me i'm just going to tell you uh the story is the smith who play who makes a pact with a malevolent being commonly the devil in later times death or a genie selling his soul for some power then tricks the devil out of his prize in one version the smith gains the power to wield any materials then uses these this power to stick the devil with an immovable object allowing the smith for revenge on the bargain uh, this is very much the story okay so th this is the synopsis of the of the fairy tale i pulled all off of wikipedia that's your movie see we, but the movie uh moves for forwards and backwards uh it begins with the guy entering a town uh, like holy crap it's sleepy hollow okay from a year ago uh and i love movies that begin like this i love movies that are like your entry into doom okay and it's used in so many different fashions and a lot of times we don't realize it and a really good example of the, and it does work best in horror or thriller but we see this in silence of the lamps and we also see it in seven where someone's introduced into a case they are entering through a gateway this is a gateway of no return and and it's wonderfully done here and it's clear and it's blatant and then along the way we're teased we're teased about the blacksmith and he killed his wife and he's there's the devil in there and we're surrounded by gates with spikes and christian uh, crosses and and crucifixes okay and individually it's awesome so that that's our gray period and then he moves to black okay so the middle of the movie is black and this is where uh you know we have a demon in the cage <laughs> we have a little girl and we have a blacksmith and from there we go to hell and that's all i'm telling you about this see i think this movie was going to go to hell the movie literally goes to hell and we have these uh ideas about the demons that the demons are all powerful but they're still we 
like the demons use trickery against us. But, but we equally can trick them because they're so far going in one direction, meaning they're just full of hatred and torture, and they, they have simple weaknesses. And, and this is the comic book in me. See, at one time, Green Lantern couldn't touch the color yellow. Okay, yellow was his weakness. Superman's weakness was kryptonite. Uh, Martian Manhunter's weakness was fire. These are all stupid and make no sense. But this is also why I like the movie Signs. Because <laughs> I like weak. I love, I love stupid weaknesses when it comes to powerful villains. Because it's 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 a it's it's a it's a definite it's a life definition that resonates in us. See. There is an evil and there is a powerful presence in all of our, all of our lives. And there are obstacles. And, so, and some of them are self-inflicted, meaning they're psychological. And some of them aren't. But they're an obstacle nonetheless. Some of them are physical obstacles. For those of us who hit the gym as much as some of us, like me. Guys, do me a favor. Go work out. Just go. Just go to the gym. Okay. Um, yeah, and... And knowing uh, that there's a weakness to that powerful entity, it's almost um, like procrastination. See, the, the best way to defeat procrastination is just if you do one, if you do a little, if you move that needle slightly towards completion, you will have an avalanche of productivity. And every time you do it, you hate yourself because you see what happens after. So th this is where like the simple weaknesses of powerful beings comes into play. And for this one, it's chickpeas and a bell. Okay. And this dude, the blacksmith ends up with a golden bell in hell to torture the devil. Game over, people. It's, it's an amazing, perfect wrap up, perfect ending. And, and uh, we, we, there's resolution to this there's really there's resolution by the end of this movie uh because we're dealing with souls you know we're dealing with the, the battle of sin and it's heavy on that and i like that it's heavy on it and potentially uh it's great that this type of story came from like a foreign filmmaker because i don't think it could get made uh this heavy-handed on god the devil um and these these other elements you know i don't think it could it could be that uh powerful uh if it was made in the u.s because u.s we we really don't like doing christianity anymore i don't know why <laughs> yeah i like i really don't it, it, it's beyond me um just even like i have a storytelling device it's great to go all in on, on that bi biblical stuff if you believe it or not but I do feel like the, uh, you know, the, the politicized Hollywood doesn't really like to swing for defenses when it comes to Christianity. And it's and we're not better for it. Sorry. Um, even on just a film sense. But yeah, and this movie really makes you, you watch this movie and you, you question your life. You question your sins. You question your loves. And everything's dissected along a thread that people who we think we know because they're tropes are not okay and there's hooks and there's angles and there's some of the best makeup design 
they're some of the best costume design. They're some of the best costume acting I've seen in a very long time. And this is the, the devil in the cage. Okay, devil in the cage acts through his eyes. Okay, expression and the dubbing did work. Now, I would love to see this movie not dubbed. Okay, I would like to see it subtitled. Uh, potentially, that could be an option on Netflix. Netflix has a million language options and subtitle options. Uh, I just didn't want to go through it. I just wanted to watch this movie. I was, that's how excited I was. Now, the other masterpiece. So, we're, we're going to go in one line here, and then I think I'm going to wrap it up. Okay? <laughs> to give you a warning. When Stanley Kubrick shot Barry Lyndon, he his one someone and Barry Lyndon spawned out of his Napoleon work. Okay? Because he was going to make the biggest movie ever starring you know, starring Napoleon. He was actually going to resurrect Napoleon. I was I was looking forward to it. And part of his study was he wanted to shoot a movie that was naturally lit by candlelight. And this caused him to stockpile more cameras because, you know, Stanley Kubrick had, uh, like, enough equipment to, like, almost, like, open up his own film studio because, again, he, he had a background in photography and he, he understood lenses and he understood cameras and he understood lighting. So when we watch Barry Lyndon, that's, uh, for the time, that's, like, the pinnacle of shooting by candlelight. And at the time, it was like impossible. It wasn't the same as shooting at night, uh, which ended with Collateral, the Michael Mann movie, uh, was this impossible feat, okay? And these are the, the constraints of having a controlled atmosphere, the complexities of filmmaking, uh, and the capabilities of the equipment. So if we, if we have this through line between Barry Lyndon and our movie here, Ermenetera and the blacksmith. I can't say sometimes. Ermenetera and the blacksmith. There we go. We we have a through line of the candlelit shots of Barry Lyndon and Ermenetera and the blacksmith, now available on Netflix, to the way how this movie is shot by candlelight. And it's beautiful, it's artistic, and it's true because if you pay attention, there's a definite flicker. There's a flicker to the lighting, okay, and it's incredible, okay. It's it's one of the biggest technical achievements I've seen in shooting uh, in quite some time, and this movie should be honored for that. Now, if you're a fan of demon design or just uh, prosthetics, this is for you. If you're a fan of these these European folk tales and these this folklore and the grim fairy tales this movie's for you if you want to see uh someone deciding <laughs> to make something out of nothing which is the netflix horror rollout watch this movie okay uh, a lot of these elements that i preach are here and this movie definitely should not be ignored it should be watched and rewatched. okay and and i can easily watch this movie back to back with legend and, and feel that they're maybe like potentially a part of the same universe. And and there we go. We're grouping movies again, people. We had the English colonial movies earlier. And th- now we got this. And now we have our 90s horror revivals. That I'm definitely doing something future on Dream Warriors. But look, everyone, I got to go. 
support me and find find ways to fund original content you can do this by purchasing products and services through my etsy you can donate on patreon you can even support me by uh, following me and leaving comments and talking to me about some of these movies on my social media aka pad on twitter snapchat aka pad 13 on instagram and facebook rock and roll let's go man we're, we're knee deep in this halloween for live Peter A. DeLuca, a.k.a. Pad, your boy, signing out.